is not Herb Albert. And the 200 Brass, it is in fact 1979 dance hit We Are Family by American musical group Sister Sledge. I'm Carson Destouli, and this is Fangraphs Audio, is what I mean to say. Why, you might say, uh, or ask, why is 1979 dance hit We Are Family by Sister Sledge the theme song to this particular edition of Fangraphs Audio? And it is because the guest on this episode is Rob Nyer. And so what does one think about when one thinks about voice of the sabermetric movement, Rob Nyer? Uh, what does one think about when one thinks about Rob Nyer? And Sister Sledge is the answer. And Termal Sledge is the second answer. Former former Nationals and uh, Expos player, Termal Sledge. No, uh, but it is it is uh, Fangraphs Audio. It does feature Rob Nyer. In 1979, Dance It, We Are Family is relevant. Is relevant because, A, the Pittsburgh Pirates are in the National League Division Series. B, one of the most recent times uh, they were in that same thing, or, or, or at least uh, when they were in the playoffs, was in 1979 uh, when the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, version with uh, Willie Stargell and Dave Parker uh, uh, were in the playoffs. This was the We Are Family Pittsburgh Pirates. It, actually, what it is really is just it's it's nothing more than a reference to an offhanded question I asked Rob Nyer in the audio that follows. And what I've done is to make too much of it, is to make too much of it, uh, really uh, for my own amusement, it appears, at this point. But uh, um, we could forget all that for the moment. The point is, you have heard of Rob Nyer, you respect him, and you're curious about the sort of things Rob Nyer has to say. He says all those sorts of things for the next 45 minutes, which is roughly the length of this program. And your only responsibility in this is just to listen. Uh, and so this is very little in the way of payment uh, for the sort of uh, pleasure you're about to receive. Uh, it, it's really it's really a crime. But uh, let's not worry about that now. What is it? It's Fangraphs Audio. It features famous baseball writer Rob Nyer. And it begins right now. What do you want from me? <laughs> Are you, you're not going to play this part though in the thing. I might. I could, this could be part of the. This could be part of the recording. People will think I'm awkward and, and uncomfortable. Oh yeah, that's really really destroy their image of you. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Good. Hey, listen, I just want to apologize up front. Uh, if there's any noise in the background, it's just my wife, who has decided rudely to do the laundry right now. If oh you, well, those things have to be done. Yeah, I know. Also, you're not doing it, so you really can't complain much, can you? <clears throat> well, I can't complain, but uh, it's just a question of how much sympathy one gets from that sort of thing. Do, you, do they have laundry machines in France? They do. They do. Yeah, they're around. Uh, not in our apartment or our building, but uh, so you go out. And I think it costs – well, we've been price shopping a little bit, uh, but it looks like uh, what you're going to pay roughly is uh, like 3 or 3.50 for 6 kilograms. Four. Six, four? Four euros for six kilograms or something. Kilograms of, of clothing? Clothing, yeah. Wait a second. Mm-hmm. So that's how you pay for your laundry? You pay by the kilogram there? Yeah, so, okay, so they advertise it like that. Like, really, it's just you're paying for different size machines with varying oh, capacities. Yeah. Okay, here's something else I don't understand. If you have to go someplace to do your laundry, why would doing the laundry... How would you... How is your wife going to be making noise while doing laundry in your apartment? She's gathering it right now. And that's, you think that's going to be noisy? 
But she just she has a lot of beads. She she's uh, yeah she she has bells on. She that's what <laughs> I just got home and she Christmas was Christmas outfits. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, there's some just some strange role playing going on. Actually, um, no, but um, it reminds me is that and this happens I think anytime you visit a place you're not used to. Uh, maybe that's different in your country. I know it happened uh, like whatever, five years ago when we visited Italy, but there's just, uh, I guess, a two weeks or some three weeks, there's just a two-week holiday, seemingly apropos of nothing, but the, the last week of October and maybe the first week of November or something, there's just no, um, uh, like there's no school for some reason. So it's a fall break essentially. Yeah, right, but um, school just started though as well. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So, so um, yeah. So that happens. I went to one time when we were in Italy. We were there like uh, I don't know, like a couple days after New Year's or something. And there was a there was a um, let's see, there was a celebration called Bafana. No. Oh, I guess it's, I guess it has to do with the Epiphany. But this woman named Bafana goes around. <laughs> Uh, she's an old, ugly lady, but she gives um, candy. Massages? Yeah, that's right. She gives candy to kids or something, and we just oh. saw her. And she was giving out uh, also. We were in Perugia, and she was giving out also um, hot wine to people. Huh? Yeah. Kids? No, but not not children necessarily. Oh, okay. Yeah. So huh. anyway, so that's just another thing that uh, that happens. Things are different, different yeah. when you go to different places. They are, yeah. Have you I had that too one time? Like when I went to New Mexico, everything was different. New, sorry, New Mexico. Yeah. What have? I didn't uh, go to Mexico. That would be too different. <laughs> but in New Mexico, things were different. What What was different about New Mexico? Uh, they had different food. Okay. And um, different plants. They do have different plants and different uh, different birds. One assumes. Uh, I didn't see any birds. I don't. I wouldn't really know what to look for. But yeah, a lot of different stuff. <laughs> you didn't. Uh, you didn't happen to notice any of the aviary life? Uh, no, it seemed like a desert. Like there weren't any birds there. Probably. Okay. <laughs> I just kind of gave up after the first few days. Hmm? Okay. Uh, where Where in New Mexico? Did you, when was this? Was this the time? This was just the time. This was um, last spring. Yeah. Uh, my uh, my lovely mate and I mm-hmm. flew into Albuquerque, and then we drove uh, um, we drove south to Hatch, home of the famous Hatch Chilies, and we stayed in the town, uh, the, the same city, wherever New Mexico State University is. We stayed there. Okay. Don't remember the name of the town. And that's not uh, the Lobos, I don't think. That is the other one. That is not the. That's Lobos. New Mexico. That's in Albuquerque. Or Albuquerque, as they say. Oh, who says that? People who live there really? say that. Yep. New Mexico I mean, State is, uh, yeah, it's not, sorry, it's not um, It's not the Lobos. What is the, I'm still trying to think of it. I believe they're the Cowboys or the Aggies. Aggies is right, and Pistol Pete is their mascot. And uh, and then we drove to, uh, to Bisbee. Oh yeah, Bisbee, right. Arizona. Sure, Bisbee, Arizona. Right. Yeah. I, I wrote about this last spring in my column hmm. and uh, my blog. Where can people find um, that? Where can people find that if they need to? Oh, I don't know. It's on the web and stuff. Yeah. All right. Different places. And then, um, and then we drove to uh, 
to Phoenix for the uh, Saber Analytics Conference and spring training. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was a whole. It was a whole thing. Yeah, that's always a that's always a good trip uh, to yeah, go to yeah. go down there for spring. You you go down to spring most every year or for spring most every year, I think. Uh, I started doing that. Yes, yeah. I didn't when I in my previous position I didn't go to spring training often at all. But uh, I've been the last to the last two springs training. Mm-hmm. Springs training is that how you would say that? Springs, yeah, springs training. Springs training. Yeah. Spring training. <laughs> um, and uh, and I hope to go again to the next. Spring training. Yeah, I would like to go to the Arizona Fall League, but it's just not going to work out this year. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's that that to me sounds, seems like it could be a really great time that Arizona Fall League. It, I would say it's my personal preference. I would much, much, much rather go to the Arizona Fall League than to Springs training. Okay, <laughs> because uh, it's just. You see better players. Well, you don't see better players. You see more interesting players. It's a, well. Let's say this. It's a little bit more. Yeah, it's interesting, and, it, and it's, um, it you know, it's six teams that are basically. It's not all top prospects, but they all are, are sort of there for a reason. Yes, and there's the, there's the a very high percentage of players that you probably haven't seen before, but would like to see. Yeah, and also. You can do it for basically no money. I believe it's five dollars into one of the games, and you can sit in the front row. How can you beat that? How can you beat? How could you possibly beat seeing some of the best, very best prospects uh, for no money mm-hmm. um, in, in the sun in 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 November? It's just it's just the best. Do we know anything about the uh, the, the weather in Arizona in November or October November? It's perfect. It's perfect. As long as you don't mind the sun. It's perfect. But you're saying it's, it's not, not, it's not, this is not their, um, baleful summer heat. No. Okay. I, I haven't been in the AFL in quite a while, but I believe it's typically in the 70s and the, or 80s and okay. doesn't get in the 90s. Um, yeah. it's just, and it's, you know, it's not a shady spot, but, um, I just remember it being perfect. Yeah. All the time. Mm hmm. For baseball. I'm not a big fan of that weather generally, but for baseball, it's great. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Now, wait, uh, last time we spoke, and uh, I should say, uh, Rob, that the time between this, um, your appearance on this edition of Fangraphs Audio and the most recent one is, by design, it's a smaller distance of time. It's a smaller amount of time than the time previous. Does that make sense? The previous gap, yes. The previous gap. And that's by design. Um, The last time I spoke with you, Last couple times I spoke to you, I said, listen, we should have you on more often. And you said, yeah, do it. And I said, no, I'm really going to do it. And I still don't entirely believe you, but this is a sort of, this is to test, <laughs> this is to test how willing you are to, to appear on the program. But here you are, so. I'm willing to appear regularly and frequently. Okay. Well, the. Is there a word, is there a word, is there a word that means both of those things put together? Regularly. Something and, like that? Regularly and frequently. Yes. Mm. Because those two don't mean necessarily mean the same thing. Right. Frequently could be – well, frequently implies regularly, doesn't it? it doesn't, uh, I would say – to me, regularly suggests at regular intervals. Okay, I see. Like every Tuesday. Yes, that's yeah. regularly. So, you know, uh, every May 3rd would be regularly. 
Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. But not frequently. No, it wouldn't. No, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be frequently at that point. So yeah. Well, we'll got to be some... for maybe, maybe if we check the German. Yeah. <clears throat> the uh, actually, I understand. Um, there's a certain um, there's a certain Eskimo people that have 23 words that mean regularly and frequently. <laughs> that's a myth. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's correct. Um, I I didn't look it up, but uh, I have a sense it is. Um, let's see. Oh, I have a question for you, and uh, apropos nothing we've discussed, but it's the one thing I prepared for this, and uh, well, we'll see how we'll see where it goes. Uh, I was watching in the wake. Well, I was I was spending some time on MLB.com today, in particular the video area of that website, and I watched. Press conferences featuring Clint Hurdle. Clint Hurdle just after his team's victory in um, against uh, Cincinnati, and then I saw Terry Francona. Some press conferences, or maybe yeah, one or two with Terry Francona uh, before his team's appearance to well, what's going to be tonight. Although this edition of the Pies will probably be on Thursday, so we'll know already if Cleveland uh, or if Tampa Bay have. Uh, have gone on to the divisional series. In any case, I was watching those, and um, in particular, I like Terry Francona as a press conferencer. I like his demeanor during a press conference. Um, and uh, well, first of all, I guess uh, throwaway question: Do you have any opinions on press conferences generally? Is this uh, have we walked into something about which you feel deeply, or shall I continue? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't watch them. Uh, because I rarely watch them. I certainly don't watch them regularly. Yeah. Or frequently. Okay. Um, because the hit rate is so low on press conferences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the nice thing about a press conference is if somebody does say something interesting, it'll show up a little bit later somewhere for my viewing and pleasure. But I don't need to watch a press conference when it's happening. And so I don't. Okay. Well, I think Terry... You're right about, you're right about Terry Francona, though. He's great. I th- let me, allow me to submit that Terry Francona is excellent at it. He's good at um, he's good at absorbing criticism, deflecting it away from his players, and also he's good at um, uh, answering questions without actually answering them. Um, which I which but in a in a way where you feel as though he's taking care of it, which I think is pleasant. Um, but I, I guess what I really wanted. Uh, to ask is if you if you were on either side of that either you could ask questions or for whatever reason you were being asked questions if you would have any preferences for the sort of things that you'd like to ask or be asked <laughs> yeah uh, wow uh, I would like to I would love to ask tough questions mm-hmm. um, to the point where most managers would get sick of me very quickly Right. Well, you've had uh, access. Have ask. you not had? To, you have access. You've had access. You've had access. Yeah, I, I have. Um, it, it's <laughs> very spare, though. I mean, I've done very few of the um, the in-season scrums with managers. Just a couple over the years. Um, they usually, typically, they'll talk to the, the local writers in the gap before the game, and then, of course, the relatively recently, they started doing the, the press conferences after the game. Which before that, they would just talk to the sit in, their, in their, their office and talk to a few writers. Um, I never really did that. I have on some of the, when I go to the winter meetings, they have 
Q&As with all the managers there, and you know, you've got one manager and 15 people typically, um, depending on the team, but 15, sometimes 15 or even more uh, people huddled around trying to get questions, and I've asked you questions of those. You don't really get a chance to do much follow-up, um, uh, and I enjoy that sort of thing. I just haven't done much of it. And, you know, it's basically my my fault for not doing more because I do like um, I would love to ask Clint Hurdle after last night's game, which they won, of course. It would be a difficult question to ask because it wouldn't be really in keeping with the event or the occasion. But um, I just would like to ask Clint Hurdle, um, for example, why do you keep playing Clint Barmas instead of Jordy Mercer at shortstop? <laughs> and the problem with asking a question like that is you're really just asking a question usually so you can get – a quote. That's why those questions are asked when they are asked. It isn't because you hope really to learn anything. What's he going to say? He's going to say, I like Clint's defense. Okay, great. Now what? Um, <laughs> did we learn anything? No, we already knew that's why he's playing him there. Um, or that's what we guessed. And if there was a really interesting answer, like uh, you know, maybe he thinks that Mercer's a terrible shortstop. If he says that, you've got something you can use, something interesting. But he's not going to say that. He's going to say he likes Bombas' defense, which he should. Bombas is probably a better defender than Mercer. Is he is he better enough to justify, you know, putting his bat in the lineup when Mercer's much much better as a hitter? I don't think so. And it would be fun to really get into with with Hurdle with some numbers. Um, uh, but that would take you know that would take some time, and you typically don't have that sort of time. And, um, unless you've really got great access, and most of us don't. Right. Yeah, and that's maybe the sort of thing, I, I, my limited experience working in the clubhouses, maybe it's the sort of thing you might have a little bit more luck with if you're doing it before a game than after. That it Really, the, the post-game press conference is a, is a has a lot more to do with the game you've just seen, whereas before you can you could touch on maybe more general or conceptual topics. Yeah, and if you're working on a, a feature story or something, um, and you want to get a little special access, maybe you can get five minutes and you can really drill a little deeper on this stuff. Um, and, you know, certainly there was a, a great piece, um, I wish I could remember who wrote it, a, a few weeks ago about Hurdle and the Pirates generally and their, their use of defensive shifts. And, and that was great. That's the sort of piece that I would love to work on if I, if I had that kind of access. Now, listen, you're, uh, you're older. <laughs> you must. You, well, you must have some memory of previ- uh, previous uh, successful Pirates teams. They, of course, were good in the what late uh, late 80s, early 90s. The the Bonds, Benia, Van Slyke Pirates. Um, but one Pirates team about which I I probably know less than I should is the uh, I guess the Chuck Tanner Pirates. Is that right? That's that's right. And what are we talking about here? Late late seventies. We we are family. Those are the two of the things I know. And uh, Dave Parker was on the team. And Willie Stargell, right? And Bert Blylevin, and uh, a number of other notables. Sure. Yeah. So what was the? Uh, you, I mean, you were already. I assume you're what your thirties by that time, approximately. <laughs> yeah, roughly. Do you have Do you have any recollection of that team? I, I do. Um, at that point in my life, I was. Focused almost completely on the Royals, and this was I'm trying to think. I guess we probably had cable TV by then. 
Uh, I remember watching a lot of Braves games on the Superstation and a lot of Cubs games on WGN. So I would would have seen the Pirates only when they were playing those teams. I wasn't big enough baseball fan that if the Royals weren't on, I'd watch one of one of those other teams. So I saw them play some, and I certainly watched some of that World Series. Though I don't really remember it very well. Um, it it really wasn't. That was sort of their their one year. I would have to go back and look. I honestly have no idea if the Pirates were even decent or good in 1978 or 80, the year before and after they won the World Series. Um, for me, the teams that were were were, were successful in those years were um, well, first the Reds until 77 or 78. Even after that, they were pretty good. And then and then. Through that whole period, the, the Phillies and the Dodgers. I know those teams a lot better because they were in the playoffs every almost every year, and the Pirates weren't. Mm-hmm. Well, I can answer some of these questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> I just haven't had So the Pirates were pretty good in the seventies, generally, I guess. Early seventies for sure, yeah. Okay, but who was in charge of the Pirates then? Um, well, um, Danny Murtaugh managed the, the Pirates off and on. Through those years, he would manage and then retire, and because he was sick, and then come back and and manage some more. And they were they were almost always really competitive. Uh, you know, they won the World Series in 1971, um, and they were good every year, pretty much. That's pretty. That's good, Nair. You you uh, I think you have um, a penchant for this baseball stuff. <laughs> Pulling that out, yeah, it was yeah right, 79. But then uh, right, they did not make the playoffs either the year before or after. Uh, until ninety, and you know what I really remember about that team, that that the We Are Family team, the 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 Chuck Tanner team, is it, I remember '79 a little bit, um, I, and I remember of course Willie Stargell. Famously, Willie Stargell was one. I believe the only time the MVP award has ever been shared. 1979, Stargell had a really good year. But he didn't play all that much. He wasn't a good defensive player at all. Couldn't run by that point. He was a big fat guy, really, if you go back and look at the pictures. And the uniform didn't help. Um, but um, he tied for the MVP award with, with Keith Hernandez because he was considered the spiritual leader of that team. And he had a huge last week or two, maybe a whole month. But his overall numbers were, you know, paled compared to a lot of guys in the league. It was one of those... It was one of those MVP awards that, his case, co-MVP award, that in retrospect, if you just look at the numbers, you can't figure out what happened. You have to have been there or go back and do some research and find out why. Sort of like, um, you know, Kurt Gibson's, Kurt Gibson's MVP, Terry Pendleton's MVP. Well, both of those guys were deserving. If you just look at the Triple Crown stats, for example, you wouldn't understand why they why they won, and, and they didn't win because they had great wins about the placement. Although they did, they won because of storylines that developed over the season. Um, and that's why Stargell was the co-winner. I remember that. I read about that a lot, and I also remember about that team later. Um, uh, Bill James started writing, you know, his national abstracts, baseball abstracts. Uh, the first one came out in 82. I believe Chuck Tanner was still the manager. And it was a, within a year or two after that that um, the, the big drug scandal 
hit baseball. Um, not steroids for the, the kid listening, but cocaine. And <laughs> it, 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 the, the, the Pirates were Pirates and the Royals were the two teams that were hit hardest. Um, and uh, I would suggest the Pirates even more than than the Royals. And it seems that um, you know Bill James wrote about this a great deal um, in the abstracts. Basically, were drug dealers, cocaine dealers, running around in the clubhouse, um, at, at, in the Pirates' clubhouse. And you know, whether it's fair or not, Bill wrote at the time that, that Tanner basically just looked the other way, completely lost control of the clubhouse, and it all happened right under his nose. Um, and you know, that sort of colored my opinion of Tanner ever since. And again, maybe it's not fair, but it is what I what I think about when I think about those. Uh, the post of the nine pirates at least well if so if um i might remember that essay actually if, if i'm not mistaken james wrote a thing regarding what sort of manager might get the best out of his team and his suggestion again i i could very well be misquoting this was if you had had a hard-ass manager and he was replaced by us by what you might call a player's manager that first year after the hard-ass manager there's reason to believe although i don't know um what the what what was sort of revealed in terms of evidence that that that, that team might play uh, as well as it possibly could. Yeah, I mean, Bill's talked about and and, and, and vice versa. If you replace an easy one manager with a hard ass, or vice versa, it, it can be beneficial. Um, it, like a lot of things Bill's written, it, it sounds great in theory. It, you know, sort of like a lot of the things that um, Malcolm Gladwell writes. <laughs> you know, they sound. They make a lot of intuitive sense. Um, some of it might fall apart when you subject it to any real analysis. Um, I don't know, it, it, but it, it certainly it's true that Tanner's team typically played well uh, when he took over. Um, it, it happened in, with the White Sox in the early '70s. It happened with the Pirates in the late '70s. Not so much with the Braves, um, which was his next team after the Pirates. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he ran the White Sox and the Pirates uh, very loosely, and his players seemed to love him. Um, but uh, they weren't all that successful, with the exception of the 79 Pirates. The White Sox did some nice things, and um, he got more out of Dick Allen than, it, than anybody had since um, the mid-'60s. Um, but, you know, is it the best way to run a baseball team? I think Bill would argue probably not. Uh, a lot of his players would argue that it was. Now, a couple of things with that. Uh, yeah, some uh, clandestine uh, uh, fan graph searches, searching re- uh, uh, reveals that Willie Stargell in 1979, which you're suggesting was an MVP season for Willie Stargell, um, was he had a 2.7 WAR that season, um, which is not. Uh, here are a couple of facts about it. Uh, n- not the best. On the Pirates, even with uh, Parker number one. Parker was yeah. Parker had r- roughly double uh, duff- double the wins above replacement. Yep. Um, more actually more than double. Phil Garner, scrap scrap heap scrap iron, old scrap iron. Scrappy, good old scrappy. Scrappy uh, Omar Moreno also more. So that surprises me because he was not a good player. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, maybe he benefits from uh, well. Will it start? Well, you know, he was not the. Uh, 
He was not very far above average either. But Willie Sturgill, yeah, 2.7 war. He does not even appear, if you uh, go to war for batters from that year, uh, of, uh, which, of which season Fred Lynn was the leader with an 8.6 figure uh, for Boston. Uh, Willie Sturgill does not show up on the first page. Um, but where was Keith Hernandez? Well, that's, I'm, that's a different question, Nair, okay? I'm answering this question first. He doesn't even appear on the second page. He appears on the third page. Let's Got do uh, with response to Keith Hernandez. You're asking that question. I'm probably capable of answering it. Sixth. Uh, he was sixth. He actually was uh, – he was sort of in that um, – there's probably – he was probably the last guy in a, in, in a tier, like the top tier. Um, after and which, uh, number one in the National League that season? Mm, well, yeah, let's see. Let's look at that question. No, that would have been Dave Winfield. Oh. Uh, Dave Winfield, yeah, finished. Here's, the, a, here's, here's, here's something that occurs to me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this and is real, real-time thought is what you're providing. Real-time thought. This is why I like doing these things because I think of things when I'm – have you ever noticed that when you're speaking, your brain works differently? Um, I'm willing to believe it. This is, like, this is like one of those things that maybe have held up to scrutiny and may not actually be worth <laughs> But yeah, I think yeah. it's true. Your brain works differently when you're speaking and also when you're walking than when you're just sitting not speaking. Yeah. Well, you you walk around when you're on the phone, I think. I, I, I do that. You yeah, make a practice true. of it, yeah. Okay. Um, so what do, you I, want I do to, what do you want to say, though? Here's my thought. Okay. Thought experiment. Okay. Thought, thought, uh, yeah. I will posit. I will throw this out there. Okay. Watch out. It's Sister Sledge. Does not record. Yeah. Their signature hit. Mm-hmm. We are family. Yep. William Stargell <laughs> does not win the most valuable player award. Yeah. Um. Well, we can't test the theory. Correct. <laughs> but I'm willing to go. Uh, I'm willing to believe it because it's more fun to believe it than not. Um. Now, it, true or false, Sister Sledge um, is the sister of uh, Termal Sledge, who later played in uh, for the Expos and, and maybe the Nationals. Uh, half true. Half true. Yeah, they the whole group. Uh, he's actually a half brother. They sh- they have the same father but different mothers. Okay, so half really half sister Sledge. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. Now we know that too. I think it's Termal. Termal. How did you pronounce it? You know, it's funny. He was he was actually a Portland Beaver, and I don't remember how how we we pronounced it. Yeah. I termal. would say Termal. That sounds better to me. Well, it's not true. <laughs> the Baseball Reference uh, suggested it rhymes with thermal. Thermal. Termal. That's odd. Yeah. By the way, have you seen? Uh, have you seen the key and peel bit with the substitute teacher in science class? I have, yes. Okay. Yeah. Out there. I figured you probably had. Yeah, right. Where he uh, he dresses everyone by, uh, <clears throat> I suppose, what um, if you were to make... You really can't do a justice being white. Mm-hmm. And you and I are both about as white as they come. Yeah. We're, we're, it feels yeah. weird for me to even be talking about that bit as a white person. Well, no. It's designed for everyone. It's I designed for everyone to laugh at. Yeah, but not to not to not to analyze. Right. Yeah, maybe. Or yeah. or 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 repeat. 
Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, there's certain things. That I mean, I can't do it. You know, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Alec Baldwin could do it. Alec Baldwin? I, have, I, don't, I lack completely the ability to, to oh, yeah. do something like that. Uh, all right, so here's a question. Um, uh, oh, yeah, this also has to do with the 70s and early 80s. You mentioned the Royals. Um, and I recently came across, and I had actually, uh, um, this is one of those situations where you uh, ridicule me because for my youth. Um, but uh, I recently, within the last year, I guess, uh, came across um, a great bat flip, a great bat flip from history, in fact. Um, and I had not seen it before, but I knew that it was against a f- uh, Phillies pitcher, um, and to a Royals batter, and so I figured it was from the World Series, uh, 1980. Uh, it turns Absolutely. out, it, yep. it turns out it was. Yep. Uh, home run. The pitcher was uh, Dickie Knowles. Uh, it was, in fact, Game Five of that World Series, and the batter was Willie Akins. Yep. Yeah, and so uh, I had never heard of Willie Akins before. Um, but uh, you're so, joking, right? No, I'm not. I'm not joking. See, I knew you, I knew precisely where you were going to go with that. <laughs> and uh, I had never heard of him, but he. Um, I took to the internet and uh, found out found out more about him. And uh, he had some good seasons, but then I guess uh, actually he actually had a bunch of average to slightly above average seasons, is what he had. Yeah. And um, and then he stopped. He was done basically by 28. Um, he he only had, um, in, in terms of entering into his age, he had 24 plate appearances in his 30s. Um, uh, you you probably also discovered that he he went to Mexico and had some monster seasons down there. I didn't discover that. That sounds great. First of all, but second of all, I what I think I did I think I found part of a uh, some manner of um um <clears throat> um by. Uh, video documentary on him and he had problems with uh, the cocaine yeah he was one of those guys he was one of those guys in the early 80s his career was completely derailed i mean you're right in there's sort of popular history i think that that willie akins would have been had the talent to be a great player if not for the drugs that's really hard to say because he was never really a great player he had some he had great power um but as I recall, he did not have, he did not control the strike zone. Um, he was just a brutally terrible first baseman. Um, should have been a DH, but the Royals had Hal McRae, so so Aikens had to play first base. Um, uh, but no, the drugs, the drugs definitely were, took some years from him. He took some years from himself. I guess would be a, a better way to put it. Um, he went to Mexico where things were a bit more lax. And uh, had some just monster seasons before the drugs got even worse, and uh, then he wound up spending some serious time in prison. Um, I think in Mexico, like maybe it was a federal penitentiary here. Um, and then he finally, by all by most accounts, I guess maybe all accounts, he he got his life back together after prison and actually did a book um, that came out a couple of years ago, which I have but haven't read. It's funny, um, the publishing industry is. It's a lot harder to make money publishing than it used to be, but it's a lot easier to get published, which is great for people who love books. Um, <laughs> Willie Akins has a book. Never would have thought that was gonna, would happen. Willie Wilson just came out with a book this month or last month. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, similar story, by the way. A much better player than Aikens. Had a very long career, but also was right in the middle of the drug, the cocaine thing in the 80s. Actually spent some time in federal prison during the, in the middle of his career, um, which almost cost the Royals the 84 American League West title. It didn't. They won it by, I think, a game. Um, but uh, he missed a big chunk of that season because he was in prison. Yeah. Uh, along with some other guys. You're not, it's um, harder to play, I guess, when you're uh, incarcerated. It is. Yeah, it's tougher. I mean, yeah. and they won't give him any work weekend furloughs or anything, which uh-huh. is a nice work, work release. Um, but, uh, yeah, Willie Wilson and Willie Aikens, uh, both stalwarts of the early 80s Royals, both were on, had serious cocaine problems. Both have books out now, oh, which go, I should man. read, but haven't yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, how do you have time for that? And you know what? The other thing about that, too, could I, could I continue? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, whatever you need to do. The other thing that's interesting about that is that one neat thing about the fact that they publish books is that um, in the course of publishing the books, they become accessible. I think uh, Willie Wilson has a Twitter account that he uses all the time. Both of them have websites with email addresses. Pretty much anybody can just email Willie Wilson or Willie Mays. Willie Mays Aikens, which is a nickname, by the way. Uh, people always thought that was his real middle name, but apparently it's not Mays. Um, but uh, yeah, you can just you can just check in with these guys and, and, and ask them stuff. I haven't, but uh, it's easy to do. Um, and uh, there are a lot of guys like that. Um, I found that if you if you want to get in touch with an old baseball player, the easiest way is to see if he's written a book. And a lot of them have. If they've written books, they probably have websites. And if they have websites, they probably have email addresses. And a lot of them will respond. Then they want to talk to you. They might want to talk to you. They might. Most of them, if you have a reason to talk to them, um, most of the players who didn't make millions and millions of dollars in their careers are happy to talk to you. Um, the, the, the dollars are create a separation. Uh, and I'm not really complaining about that, although I kind of am because it's kind of a bummer. But... Uh, for somebody like me who likes talking to old ball players, but um, if you just you know if you're doing a story and you want to talk to Carl Erskine or Mudcat <laughs> uh, Grant or or Willie Akins, you can do it. They the fact that they don't live in gated communities, um, haven't been separated from most of society since they're since they were in their 20s. Um, it it creates a it it. it, it, it creates a, a lack of separation, um, and a lot of them are happy to talk about their careers and help you with your stories or whatever it might be. That's going to be different in 20 years when people want to talk to, oh, I don't know, Nick Swisher. I expect Nick Swisher won't be, and he seems like a pretty cool guy, but it seems like he won't be as easy to get a hold of as, as Carl Erskine is. I could be wrong. I hope I am. Um, I'm a, I want to let you go soon, but I want to ask you about the show you went to last night. Okay. You saw wait, what did you do? You went to you saw Paul F. Tom, a comedian Paul F. Tompkins, just um, yeah. Just, well, it was actually the Comedy Bang Bang tour. Oh, so what does you that know look Comedy like? Comedy Bang Bang. It's a podcast, I believe, a comedy podcast. It is a. It began as a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, then it became also a a show on IFC, which has great guests, and I think is pretty consistently funny. Um, is it regularly and, funny though? Wait, I mean, is it regularly funny? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I would say every 
roughly every two and a half minutes, I laugh about something. <laughs> okay. So that would count. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and then also last year, uh, they sent the show out on the road. Um, and the, 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 the live show is really more like the podcast than the television show. Um, but anyway, Paul F. Tompkins is a regular on the podcast, and he also generally is with the, the live, the touring show. And I don't know if you know much about Paul Tompkins. I did. Um, I heard, heard the name uh, b- b- many times, but didn't really know much about him. Um, he is many things, but he is a he has a podcast too, by the way. But he is a master of improvisation, and um, he typically he, he does he's he's imp- improvising with the, the different characters that he plays. Um, and uh, my favorite is is Andrew Lloyd Webber. Uh, he wears the top hat, or as he calls it, the topping hat, um, <laughs> and the, the, the tuxedo and the whole the whole getup. Um, he also does Werner Herzog, the movie director. Yeah. He does Gary Marshall, the movie director. <laughs> and uh, last night he was doing uh, he was in the in the character of uh, Ice T. Um, and uh, he and Scott Ackerman, the host. They just they just improvised for 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 an hour or so at least in the live show and it's just uh, I just think I just think it's it's unbelievably funny. The um, those are strange in uh, impressions. I mean I'm not saying that they're bad. They're actually pretty amusing. Werner Herzog I imagine is a lot of fun because uh, yeah, but um, uh, but I know that for example Bill Hader who's not on as Saturday Night Live anymore but was. I know he ran into this where because he came up with very good impressions of Vince Vincent Price and also Alan Alda, and in particular the latter is amusing because no even when Alan Alda was at the peak of his fame, um, it's it's probably fair to say that no one was really clamoring for an Alda Alda Alan Alda impersonation, uh, and you know what like twenty five plus years after Mash has been canceled. Uh, it's probably even less the case, and yet uh, he, he 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 had it, and he was looking for some reason to use it. Well, I think when you if you're doing a character, and I'm going to go out on a I'm going to lose any credibility that I had yeah. by saying this. That's fine. I think Frank Tarantino is really funny and really good at what he does. Um, now, I'm not saying I want to see his live show. He's actually playing here in Portland. I'm not going to go. But, I mean, I, I think he's really great. I, I think he's a, a master of, of the form he's chosen. But if you're going to do John Madden, there are certain things that you have to do. Mm-hmm. You have to do the John Madden that everybody knows. Yeah. Which makes it inherently less interesting, at least to some of us. Um, and, again, I like it. I think it's funny. But... I don't need to go see it. Um, I'm okay that it's there, and I'm happy to go. You know, if I, I can always go to YouTube and get my Cali as John Madden fixed, or whoever, whomever. Um, I want to. I know this is. You strive for. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, with precision. accuracy. Like yeah, right. right. Podcast. Um, but when you do Alan Alda, you can do whatever the hell you want because nobody expects anything from that Alan Alda impression. Or a Werner Herzog impression. They expect the accent, but you can take that anywhere you want to go. And I guess you do that with Madden too. You can have, you could do Madden and improvise a conversation for an hour, and it could be really great. 
That just isn't what, I don't think that's what Caliendo does. Maybe he does. I just haven't seen it. But that could be funny, too. Uh, yeah, I think, right. Uh, there's probably someone who uh, who could, if he were so inclined, do that with Alda. But uh, you probably also, uh, I'll tell you what, you're not going to make as much money. You know, As Werner Herzog? <laughs> yeah, well, no, no one could make as much money as Werner Herzog. No, I mean, he's making <laughs> as much money doing Herzog as he would doing Madden. Uh, that's probably true, don't you think? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, you're not going to get on the, I mean, there are certain things you're not going to be, certain opportunities you're not going to have. That's right. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm actually, I'm going to look this up later. I, 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 for all I know, Cal Indo is a, is a, has been a master improviser and has been doing it for years and years. I just haven't ever seen it. Um, why wouldn't it be funny? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but anyway, but the comedy, yeah, it was Again, a, good, a good show. It, it is a good show. It's uneven because of the nature of it. Impro- improv, by its nature, is is not necessarily consistent. Um, and there, and Ackerman is kind of an oddball. Um, he tells jokes that really aren't supposed to be funny. It's sort of very meta and deconstructing comedy. And um, but when they get into the improv stuff, he's basically just there to facilitate all of Tompkins and whoever else is on stage with him. Last night it was a a local comedian um, who was sort of out of out of his element, but um, but Tompkins did most of the work, and and uh, and and it was great. And uh, what venues did they use there in Portland? Uh, they have come to be Aladdin Theater both times. The Aladdin. The Aladdin, which is uh, like a mile and a half from from where I live, um, which is fantastic. It's an old oh. Oh, yeah. 1930s movie theater with one of the best marquees, old. Neon marquees in town. Oh, that's great. That's you perfect. Right off of uh, Rocky and Powell. Rocky and Powell. Rocky, old Rocky and Powell. No, Milwaukee. Oh, yeah, Milwaukee old Milwaukee. Avenue and oh, Powell. of course. Yeah, 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 sure, I know. That's up in, near uh, the Brooklyn neighborhood, right? It is right at the edge of Brooklyn. Right yeah. at the edge of Brooklyn neighborhood. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the Aladdin Theater. Now I know. Now I remember. Oh, well, well, um... I think you've uh, I think you fulfilled your obligation. Not that you really had like a giant obligation, so you probably did it a while ago. <laughs> but um, but mostly it's uh, nice to talk to you. You too. So here's a question I have for you. Yeah. Okay. And I don't have to answer this. Maybe you can. How long would we have to go between podcasts for me to, for, for me to store up enough interesting questions for another podcast? I mean, huh. interesting interesting observations and questions and whatnot. Uh, I mean, in reality, yeah, it would just—I uh, would say a week or two. I don't think—I don't think it would take much more than that. I mean, we could just talk. We just talk. Wow, that's—I uh, know, but like a lot of this stuff can kick around in my head for for for, for months. Oh, you're yeah, you're a little bit. Well, don't you go on certain shows regularly anyway? Isn't that part of your job as a baseball writer? Well, I go on radio shows. We didn't talk about baseball. We didn't really do much of that. That's yeah, different. that's true. Good point. Good point. We didn't really talk. Well, we talked. I certainly haven't been asked about the 1979 Pirates in quite a while. I'm surprised that that's not the first question people are asking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what about those 79 Pirates you don't remember? Tell us all about them. You tell, you tell us literally everything you know about them right now without having done any research. The uh, I'm pretty. I gotta say, I'm pretty proud of that. We are family question, though. I mean, oh, that, I think that's, that's a big one. one. Hmm. I don't know if it justifies 45 minutes or whatever we whatever this is going to be, but I hope people got at least that far. I'm actually going to, I've just uh, I've just uh, decided this mo- this moment, I'll be referring to, I would title the podcast, Rob Nyer is Family. 
Rob <laughs> Nyer is family. And then uh, people may not even get it till till they get to this this part of the show. The twenty nine forty three mark, right? Yeah, right. Well, whatever it is, yeah. We're it no, is we're at forty five minutes now. We're at forty five minutes. Timing it. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Rob Nyer is family. Is that does that work for you? Uh, yeah, I trust your judgment completely. Okay. That's, yeah, that's a big mistake. I need to. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's. Uh, well, we'll stop. But thanks. Uh, thanks for participating in this edition of uh, Fangrass Audio, Rob Nyer. Always my pleasure, and please give my best to your ever lovely wife. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. She's like she's not making noise. Right now, the, uh, gathering all those jingly clothes. Yeah, that is. Uh, let's see. Well, we'll say that is Rob Nyer of. Uh, what, you, what you would just say? Uh, managing editor of uh, Baseball Nation. Uh, I never had a national baseball editor, but you can call me whatever you want. National baseball editor of Baseball Nation. Uh, I'm Carson yep. Stooley. I continue to be, and this is uh, this is Fangraphs. This has been Fangraphs Audio. All right, we did it. All right.